Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Whitney Aiken. Whitney is on the show today talking about how a little look goes a long way. Based on my devotional, a little goes a long way, 52 days to a significant life. While most of us don't want to admit it, we crave attention. Our social media-obsessed society is proof that people everywhere want to be seen. But this self-promoting system leaves many women feeling overlooked. In today's episode, Whitney chats about her book, Overlooked, where she discovered how the human need for attention and approval is God's intentional design, and she encourages us today to live seen by the God who loves you and sees you. Join us to understand why you long to be seen, get real about the ways social media is hard on your heart, tap into the true source of the attention and approval you long for, implement practical ways to trade feeling overlooked for a lifestyle of living seen. You don't have to live overlooked anymore. Join us today to understand and realize how a little look goes a long way. Well, hello, Whitney, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Hey, Rachel. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So today's conversation is all about a little look goes a long way based on my devotional, a little goes a long way, 52 days to a significant life. And you've written overlooked finding your worth when you feel all alone. So is it safe to assume that you have felt overlooked yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's for a few reasons. So I think it kind of began with my personality type. So I'm an introvert. And as a child, I really struggle with shyness. And not all introverts are shy, but uh, I was. And um, so I really had to figure out how to navigate that um, and interact with a world that felt pretty intimidating to me for many years. Um, but I think it's bigger than that too. Um, just circumstantially as a kid, I really struggled to find friends and be accepted and just, you know, the normal things so many of us go through. Um, and then um, as a teenager, I was really into my achievements academically, but I always felt like I just wasn't ever quite the best. Everybody else was sort of, there was always someone else noticed for that and it wasn't me. Um, and so I felt like this kind of feeling of being overlooked just followed me around. And then um, when I got older, when I was married as um, in my young 20s, I went through a season of infertility. And I kind of experienced being overlooked in this new way instead of it being related to my personality. It felt like it was related to this idea that nobody could understand uh, the heart, the hurt and the sorrow that I was feeling. Nobody could fix it. Um, and so I just felt very alone. And, um, and that gave me this new perspective on feeling overlooked. And, and then, you know, I still feel it now. I, I do have children now. The Lord bless me with three children. I'm so thankful for that. And so I'm a mom, I homeschool and I sit at home and scroll through social media. And, you know, it's so easy to feel like everybody's house is perfect and everybody's, you know, kids are perfect and spiritually they're more perfect than I am and they look perfect. And so, um, it can feel like, very easy to feel overlooked. And we also, we see our friends, you know, um, doing things we weren't invited to or people who have friends that we wish we had. And, um, and so this feeling of overlooked has just kind of been a theme that has gone throughout my life. 
so much of that resonates with me. I could, I could probably, I'm like, I'm nodding my head the whole time you're talking because I could probably say some, many of the same things. And I think that you hit the nail on the head, especially like in our technology, social media driven society. I think that social media has exasperated our craving for attention and wanting to be seen. Have And you, you mentioned this, but would you elaborate a little bit more on that? Absolutely. Um, so I think we naturally want to be seen and we really, I mean, like as humans, we just want this and we see this in children. If you, if you're around children, you know, that like, for instance, if you ever take kids to a pool in the summer and you think you're going to read a book, you're not, cause they're going to say, <laughs> Hey, watch me. And they're going to jump in and they're not just going to let it go. They're going to come up from the water and be like, did you see what I just did? So it's this idea that we want that attention and we want that approval. Like, yeah, that was so great, but it doesn't go away. You know, when we become an adult, this is just something ingrained in us as humanity. And so we've always had it, but social media is like this tool. I like to think of it almost like a microscope. It's like, we're all these little things and social media can just hone in on one of us and magnify us to this place. That's like, wow. And it's incredible. It's what we all want, you know, so like a stay at home mom or a high school student or some, you know, 90 year old man, anybody could be kind of honed in on magnified and all of a sudden they're viral and they're this type of celebrity. And I think this is a lure that keeps us sort of coming back to social media because it's like, maybe that could happen to me. But the problem is, is that the opposite effect is true too. So if people can be magnified, they can also be overlooked a lot more than you would feel in just your everyday life. Mm. Yeah. but So you've actually discovered this need for attention and approval is actually God's intentional design. So I'm really interested to hear your answer on this. Yeah. Um, this is, this is interesting. So when I, when I went to start thinking about overlooked, I really wanted to like research, why do I long to be seen? And why do people care so much about this? Like, is this just a selfish thing? Is this like, like, you know, we hear our, our generations are more narcissistic. Like, is this just something going on? Or what what is the source of this? And so I did this research. And what I found was that um, psychologists have been studying attention for a long time. And attention is actually this biological need. And so they put it in a, like a human hierarchy of need would have uh, love and belonging as one of the main tiers. So just like eating or sleeping or drinking, we need this in order to survive and thrive. And so this idea that um, we need attention biologically was kind of this big clue to me, like, okay, God is the creator. And so if he created this need, there has to be this purpose to it. And so if we kind of go back to like the origin of, of, of humanity, you know, Adam and Eve, we, we read in Genesis one thirty one like God said over creation, but he says it over Adam and Eve that God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. And so we see like Adam and Eve have this attention from God and this approval from God from the very beginning. And then they're not questioning, does anybody see me? They're not questioning like we do. How many people see me? Um, they just know my father sees me and he loves me. But then in the fall, um, in Genesis three, of course, sin opens their eyes. And then what they do with that is they hide, they hide from the presence of God. And then that hides them from the attention of God. And so if we take that idea, and I think so many of us still hide, we're hiding with other people, right? We're, we're not, if we're hiding from God. All we see around us is people like us. And so we still have our need for attention and approval, but we're looking to other people to fulfill that need. And it wasn't a need that was designed for people to fulfill. And so I say that it's this intentional design because when God gives us a need, he intends for himself 
to fulfill it. And so the idea is, and the idea I talk about and overlooked is God is the one who created it. And he's the one who fulfills it. And through Jesus, we can get back to that. I see you and you are very good idea. So how would you encourage us to believe that we are seen by the God who loves us? Because so many of us maybe don't feel like he does see us, especially in certain circumstances that are really difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and sometimes the idea of being seen by God, it's, it sounds really encouraging and, and, and like Christian women's things we talk about a lot, but it can also be something that's scary um, that God sees everything you do. It can also be something that's discouraging. Well, if God sees me, why isn't he fixing this or helping me? Um, so, so it's kind of like two, two things that work together. God sees and then God loves. So if we talk about God sees, um, it really comes from the idea that he's omniscient, meaning he knows everything and that he is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere all at once. So like just by the nature of who he is, he sees because he is everywhere knowing everything. And Psalm 139 is a really familiar passage to a lot of us. Um, you know, he knit us together in his, our mother's womb. He knows every thought. He knows the days of our lives. And we we like to think about what that means for us. And that's beautiful. But that passage also helps explain these character traits of God, that he is omniscient, that he is omnipresent. And they really, that that chapter really hones in these two characteristics of God. Um, and then Hagar um, in Genesis 16, 13, she She's, you know, she's the servant. Um, she's a servant of Abraham and Sarah. She's pregnant. She's alone in the wilderness, fleeing from Abraham and Sarah. And she's um, the first person to call God El Roy, which means the God who sees. And so she's sort of highlighting this character trait of God too. So we know that God sees. The Bible's clear that this is like what He does and who He is. Um, but then, like, it does come with some questions. Well, then, if he sees, is he disappointed in me? Is he angry with me? Is he condemning me? Is he ignoring me? Um, and so, I really think that this intersection of being seen and God loving us is so important. And um, I love it. I think Hebrews four is really, really important for understanding this. So Hebrews four thirteen says. Uh, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I feel like it's kind of a terrifying verse and we just leave it there. It's very vulnerable and, and scary. Um, but this is where God's love comes in, right? Because um, God does love us. Without his love, this would be terrifying. Um, but because he loves us and his greatest example of love is through Jesus, there's more to that Hebrews 4, 13. There's more. And so if we keep reading, it says, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And so we see that Jesus as our savior sympathizes with our weaknesses that he's been tempted in sin as we have. And that in all of this, knowing all the like sordid details of our humanity, basically, he invites us to draw near with confidence and to give us this grace and mercy that he knows we need. And I think that's a beautiful picture of being seen. We know God sees, but also being loved and welcomed in Jesus. You, I love how biblical you've already been. Like this is the basis of everything that you've already talked about. And so you tell some other biblical stories of people who uncovered the transformative power of living each day in the attention of a holy God. 
Would you share one or more of these examples from scripture with us? Yeah, of course. So in the book, I take different people who kind of have these like big zing moments with God. And I kind of look at what happened in their life after that and how did their life change? So I I look at Hagar who, you know, had the zing moment with God in the wilderness. And then um, I, I talk about her obedience because God actually asked her to return to Sarah and submit to her and she obeys. Um, And so I talk about what that looks like. I talk about Jesus who really doesn't have a seeing moment with God. He is God. Um, but he does have this sort of moment in his baptism where God says, this is my son who I love with him. I'm well pleased. And his ministry begins after that. So it's this, this pivotal moment. And Jesus exemplifies the, the character trait of meekness so well. So I go in to talk about what meekness looks like in someone's life. And then, um, and then Paul, of course, has this amazing experience with Jesus on the Damascus road. And so I talk about Paul's perspective changing to a gospel perspective and how um, he was once sort of like all in his works and what he could do to prove who he was. And then he totally shifted within days to just being like, I just care about telling other people about Jesus. Um, but I think my favorite story that I studied was Moses. And I really studied Moses and um, how his seeing moment with God was the burning bush and how after that he developed this confidence. And I think I loved it so much because Moses is like very iconic, right? He's like the forefather of our faith, you know? And um, we, I think of him, you know, as this incredible leader who was so confident and strong and led the Israelites and nothing like me. I'm just, you know, this self-conscious, you know, introvert or whatever. But in Exodus 4, we see this version of Moses that uh, was really impactful to me as I studied it. Because um, right after the burning bush, like he's still at the burning bush and God says, deliver my people, you know, from, from, from Egypt. And Moses in Exodus 4 starts to argue with God about it. And this is just so like, so human. <laughs> and he puts up this argument. He has like three points to his argument and he he really digs in with God and he says, God, they're going to think I'm crazy. I, I can't do this. Remember, he says, I'm slow of speech and tongue. I've got this weakness that's going to prevent me from it. And then he says, he literally says, please send someone else. And God's like, no, Moses, it's going to be you. And God digs in with Moses. And so this encounter, um, It encouraged me so much because it taught me like, it's not because Moses is in himself some incredibly confident, amazing leader, but it's because Moses saw God come through and that's what our confidence can be built on. And so I focus um, in that, in that chapter specifically on confidence that obviously self-confidence is um, what our world focuses on. It's something I've always wanted to have, but really struggled to have. Um, But self-confidence is very circumstantial. So it's like, how are we feeling that day? How are we looking that day? How did other people treat us that day? And and so it's up and down all the time, but the confidence that's built on on God is a confidence that's built on a history of a God who comes through. And when we see him come through, our confidence grows. And so we see Moses go from this person who is arguing with God at the burning bush to this person who will literally walk on Mount Sinai and, and, and meet with the presence of God and take the 10 commandments. So obviously this huge change and it's not because of Moses, but it's because of, of God coming through for him. Mm, gosh, I, you know, honestly, Paul and um, Moses are two of the men like biblical men that speak most to me too, because I, I struggle with insecurity and inadequacy and confidence and all of those things too. And it really is just dependent dependence on God. That's the only thing that changes is like, I'm not really confident in myself, but I'm confident in him, <laughs> you know, and I know that he is with me and inside of me as a believer. And like, he gives us everything that we need 
Um, and I'm so thankful for that. And so I, let's get really practical about, you know, like how, how do we, how do we, um, view this in light of ourselves, like not just in biblical past, right? So what are some practical ways to implement a lifestyle of living seen characterized by confidence, meekness, obedience, and a gospel perspective? That's a loaded question, Whitney. Sorry. No, it is. But that was a lot. <laughs> so um, I think a lot of times when we think about being seen by God, it's a beautiful truth and um, and we should internalize it. Um, but we kind of stop there like, okay, God sees me and loves me. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to move on. But really, this is the this is just the starting point, because when we know that God is satisfying this need that we have for a lot of people like me, for instance, who would look to other people and sort of be caught up in this idea of like, what do people think of me? I need someone to love me. If if that's satisfied, then I'm freed up to get about the kingdom work. I'm freed up to like look towards something bigger than how I'm going to get this attention and approval for myself. And so that's the idea of a living scene. If we're freed up to do these things and what does that look like in our life? So for instance, um, obedience, um, if we know that God is, is already giving us that love and approval and seeing us, obedience begins to become a desire. So obedience, you know, Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Obedience is ultimately in Christ an act of love. So when we receive this love first from God, we're more willing and excited to obey him and follow him and what that looks like. Um, for me, it was having gone through that season of infertility, I felt like God was calling me to share my testimony, um, which as a shy introvert was like, no, that must be a mistake. Um, I don't think I should do that. Um, and, but because I had experienced this God who was so intimate with me and, and, and loving and saw me, I was like, I, I have to, I have to, because I know that there's a purpose in it. Um, and that was, you know, just the beginning of a lot of steps that he, he took me on to get where I am today. Um, but obedience becomes this thing where we want to do this more to love the God who sees and knows us than we do about caring what other people are going to think about our obedience. Um, and then meekness. Um, I think meekness is like something we embrace first by really understanding what it is, because I think it's very difficult to understand. And for me, when I started out thinking about meekness, I really thought that it was synonymous with timidity. Um, and so I think, and if you look it up in an online thesaurus, you're going to find that they're synonyms, but they're really not synonyms. Um, I think meekness is thought of as being like a doormat, just being walked all over. It's just this trait. People don't want to be meek, but Jesus says that he is meek um in Matthew 11 and so it's like it can't be a bad thing if Jesus is saying that he is um and so we have to understand I could go into a lot more about meekness but what we really have to understand is meekness is really this quiet strength that understands that God does see us and that every injustice that we might endure he will bring justice eventually and that every time um we feel like we're misunderstood or no one sees us or um, we're really struggling that like our home is eternity and we can look to that um when things on this earth feel really difficult because meekness is a hard thing to walk in um, but jesus shows us like no one endured injustice like Jesus. No one endured um, the pain of longing for home like Jesus. Um, and so it's possible to walk in that here. And then confidence um, is just kind of what we talked about, like just really understanding that self-confidence is, is 
really kind of flimsy and circumstantial, but this confidence rooted in Christ um, is lasting. And in order to find that, we have to be vulnerable. So we have to put ourselves in positions where we feel uncomfortable because that's where we watch God come through. It's kind of like obedience and confidence begin to collide because when we take a step of obedience and God does come through, our confidence begins to grow. Um, and, and when you do that enough times, um, you're like, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. Kind of like you said, like, I don't really have a lot of confidence in myself, but I know God's going to come through because I'm so confident in who he has been and who he will be. And then this gospel perspective um, kind of goes back to that idea when our when we're not looking to other people to assign us our worth or get their attention and approval, we can kind of be freed up to see them less as what we can get from them and more as just souls who need a savior. And so our hearts are kind of open to their needs, not just what we can get from them. And I think also something that I learned is, I don't know, evangelism and like Paul and the whole gospel perspective deal just kind of feels like that's like, for the extroverts and the confident, bold people who are going to go stand on a sidewalk or in the town square like Paul, you know, um, but that God has made us all individually um, in this beautiful way to share the gospel, how he's crafted us. So if, if it might be a one-on-one -on -one deal for me more than it might be on a street corner, um, but if I'm living in a gospel perspective and my conversation is going to be seasoned with the gospel. It's going to come out and it's going to be a desire of my heart, no matter what method I use to share the gospel with people around me. I'd like to circle back if you're willing to, um, I'm just thinking about the woman that's like, okay, God, if you see me, why are you not moving on my behalf? And I just want to be really sensitive to that um, because I think, and I've just been, I've been studying the Trinity and so much of what you're saying about like God, the father and the, and the son and the spirit and his activity. Like he is one, one God with three divine persons. And so I've been studying this, but, I, and, and, and how often we equate God, the father as kind of this old Testament, like wrath kind of God. And then Jesus is more of like the kind, loving God, but yet they're all, they really are all one and the same. And so I guess my question for you is if God sees, why is he not moving? I, I just, I, I just think that there's somebody listening that's like, do you just not care God? I don't know. Do you have anything to say on that? I know I'm just bringing that on you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, this is obviously, this question comes up when, when I'm doing women's Bible studies on Wednesday nights at my church, I feel like this is the question we always come back to, um, because it's such, um, it's such a real vulnerable question. And the thing that I always come back to, um, is that, that moment for me when I really had to wrestle with this idea was in that infertility season that I was going through because God is sovereign, right? He's the one who can let me have a baby. He could just do it anytime he wanted. And for three years, I watched people get pregnant and some people didn't even act like they wanted, you know, people get pregnant all the time. They don't even want to have a baby. And here I am longing for this so deeply. And it's like, God, this isn't fair. Why would you not answer this, this for me? Why would you not give this to me? And so you just kind of find yourself sitting in a place sometimes where you have a problem and God is the problem solver and he's with you, but he won't solve the problem. And I think this is the place we come to. We really have to 
analyze our faith in who God really is and why we really serve him. And it comes down to this idea of sovereignty, which is so hard. But what encouraged me during that time um, was that God didn't fix my problem right away. I'm thankful that he did eventually. But in those moments, uh, month after month of just deep sorrow, he didn't. He was with me and he comforted me in ways that I don't feel like I've experienced God's comfort since then, like I did in those moments of deep sorrow. Like I could feel God's, uh, this sounds crazy, but I could feel God's tangible presence holding me um, as I would just lay in the bed and cry on days when I felt like I couldn't get up. And nobody else, my husband couldn't do that for me. I get emotional thinking about it. My, my, my parent, nobody could do that for me because he knew the ins and outs of my heart like nobody else could and because he saw the pain. And I think that thing where it's like, why aren't you fixing it can make us feel like God is uh, unloving, but he's not, he's holding us through it. And I, I know that looking back now, I have the benefit of hindsight and I can see that all those years, God was really honestly just like tearing me down and then he rebuilt me in this way that has changed the trajectory of my life and my ministry and my heart. And so I think that's the encouragement is that the, when the problem solver won't fix the problem, it's so hard that he's with you in the problem, loving you and sitting with you and holding your hand. And there's purpose where you are. It just is very hard to see sometimes when you're in it. And it goes back to hindsight, you know, and, and I think that that's beautiful. And, and I think what you just said is going to speak, um, it speaks the most to me more than anything else that we've talked about today. And I just, am just thinking about each woman listening, like how do, there are so many people that probably feel overlooked, like this is such a felt need. And so how do we help others feel seen and not overlooked? Cause yes, Yes, God sees them, but is there a way? Because I actually tell a story in my devotional about a man, a homeless man that my friend saw that he literally, she gave him just eye contact. That was all. And he, and he said, you see me. And she said, of course I see you. And he said, nobody ever sees me. And so like just the impact of something as little as eye contact to know you are seen can help somebody know that they're seen by God too. So do you have anything to say uh, on that? Absolutely. Um, I mean, even the psychological studies that I was researching when I did this showed exactly what you just said, that like there's studies that show just an acknowledgement will go so far. For instance, in the workplace, people will work longer and harder, not for more money, not for more status, but to be acknowledged. And it's so meaningful to people. And, and it's a blessing when people acknowledge us. It's not so we can get necessarily our worth from them, but obviously it's a gift and a blessing to receive that positive acknowledgement from other people. I think the way we can notice people is by remembering our longing to be seen and looking for that in others. So for instance, um, for me, that would be me looking uh, for the introverts and the ones that are shrinking back and trying to be the wallflower, the ones that are in a conversation, um, but not speaking up to like give them space. What do you think about this? Asking questions. Asking questions is a wonderful way to invite people just into opening their heart. Um, sometimes we forget 
to do that with people. We're busy in our conversations talking and um, telling people things about us, but questions are like an invitation to people. Um, and then um, like asking someone to, you know, can I pray for you? Thinking of someone and then following up with them, just being intentional. Um, and for me, uh, like going through infertility, one of the people, uh, type of people I look for is someone who I think might be struggling or hurting with that. Just letting them know, like, you're, you're, you're not forgotten and you're not alone. And I think serving, I think just like you said, with the homeless uh, person, serving is such a powerful way to see people. There are whole margins of society that are forgotten. Um, my husband and I have a, a ministry that he runs where we go and serve underserved areas. And that's the thing we hear is nobody ever comes. Nobody ever acknowledges us. Nobody ever remembers we're even here. And I think it's just so powerful. If every person could do what, like their little part to notice the people, I know that person, that's like me, that's what I would have done. And to, to see them and give them space to share their heart, to know that they're loved, to just notice that, um, I think it would be very transformative in this world. Mm, me too. So this is, uh, Whitney, this is a question that I am um, tailoring to each of my guests as we come to a close. So how has a little look gone a long way in your own life? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think there have been people in my life who have seen me well, and those people have um, meant the world to me as someone who hasn't felt seen my husband, for instance, is, um, we we've known each other since we were in elementary school. And he's just always been one of the people, even though I was struggling with, uh, friend groups and all, he's just always been one of the people who was kind to me and who saw me. Um, and I can't tell you how much being seen by a person means, um, and encourages, um, my life. And, but I think probably the little look that goes the longest way, like not to over spiritualize or whatever, but is that sort of moment on the bathroom floor and infertility, knowing that God saw me in that moment. Um, and that I didn't have to have the acknowledgement of everyone else because that was going to be enough right there. And I I love just thinking about how when people see us and they see the real us, and of course we know God does (laughs) and still loves us. That's, that's what's so beautiful. It's like they, you know, it's not seeing us and then turning away from us because it's like, well, that's too much. It's, it's, it's seeing us and then being even drawn nearer and still pursuing us to have a relationship with us. And I think that that is what's so beautiful about the God that we serve. Um, and so Whitney, I just, I have loved today's conversation. Um, I've seen, been seen by you, felt seen by you, and I want to stay connected with you. And I'm sure listeners are going to want to as well. So tell us how we can do that. Uh, well, you can connect with me on my website. It's just WhitneyAiken.com. Um, and ancient sign up for my newsletter. I send that out to people. And if you do, uh, you get like a free, free gift in the first newsletter. It is, um, it's this uh, freebie all about how to cultivate a heart of meekness. So if you're kind of interested in what meekness looks like and it's a little confusing to you, that might be a great resource for you. Um, go follow me on Instagram. That's kind of where I post the most and interact with people the most. And then uh, my book, Overlooked, is up on Amazon right now. So you can go check that out as well. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for being my guest and for helping us to believe that a little look goes a long way, even when we may feel overlooked. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. 
Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Whitney Aiken. We hope that today, if you're feeling overlooked, that you feel seen and loved by God and that you realize that a little look goes a long way. This week, your little task is to make eye contact with people around you. Remember, purposeful eye contact communicates to people they are seen and valued. Letting them know you see them could help them realize that God sees them too. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or on Facebook. I'd love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive your weekly love offering newsletter and all of this information can go straight to your inbox each week. You can also listen to previous podcast episodes. You can read the blog series. You can purchase significant merchandise. You can download free resources and you can invite me to speak. I'd love to talk about this significant message with your ladies group. Next week, my guest is Rebecca Lynn. She is on the show talking about how a little sacrifice goes a long way. I can't wait to chat with you again then, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.